So, uh, Proverbs, um, the proverb I picked for today is Proverbs 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, I've, I've, I've had that pointed out to me recently um, by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> and you know what? It's kind of fun. I've been doing a proverb at the beginning of every message since I've been here. And uh, so people are now starting to expect it. And it's kind of interesting. I'm starting to get requests. <laughs> and I've also, um, people are, I've, some, of, some of you are trying to guess in advance what it's going to be. Well, I got a request and I thought, you know what? Okay, so I'm going to give you the request for today too. So this is Proverbs 15, 17. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. <laughs> Somebody was hungry when they were reading the Bible or something. Um, I, I want to take just a minute and just, re- just review one thing from last week, which was uh, about toxic words, um, a rule to live by. Whenever you think something good, say it. I just want to remind you about that. Whenever you think something good about somebody, say it to them. Just say it to them. You said that last week when we went to our in-laws right afterwards. And they're, re- they're not, they don't encourage one another very much at all. They love each other, and they're wonderful people, but they don't normally compliment each other. You know, so we were going to go, and God's like, say it. I'm like, oh, they're my in-laws. I'm like, okay. Um, our pastor this Sunday told us to say whatever popped in our head that was good, and I said, thank you so much for having us over and loving us. And they all looked at me and went, mm-hmm. And that was uh, it. <laughs> that's good. You planted some great seed there. Way to go. Thanks for, the sh- thanks for sharing that. So whenever you think something good, say it. So uh, I think I have a habit that probably most of you do. Um, you get up in the morning first thing, and maybe you grab your toothbrush and so forth, and it just happens, just so happens that in front of the sink there's a mirror, and you look at yourself to see what you want to look like in the morning. You know, And I do that all the time. I, I do that before I come and stand in front of you, just in case there's like some broccoli hanging out from between my teeth. You know, the ch- What do you think the chances are that you would ever see broccoli in my teeth? I mean, zero. There would be zero chance of that. In fact, if it wasn't for brownies, all the entire BRO food group could be thrown away, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, so I get this habit of looking in the mirror to make sure that I don't have something embarrassing on my face, you know, other than just my face, is, you know. And um, so, I mean, I, 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 I do that several times during the day. It's not that I mean to be vain. It's just like I'm just checking to make sure that I'm not embarrassing myself because don't you do it too? Come on. <laughs> you do. You walk by, and it's not like you're, you know, you're strutting your stuff. It's like you're looking to make sure that everything's presentable. And uh, I was thinking about that. About that, it's just a habit. It's a per- personal grooming kind of a thing, and it's common. I think a lot of us do it a lot. And um, I, it's so different than if we could look in a mirror and actually see into our heart. Would I do that first thing in the morning? Would I do it before I go to bed at night? Would I do it several times just to make sure there's not something stuck in my teeth? Um, I mean. Would I do it? You know, it's probably not because I really am not, I really don't always want to see what that looks like. I, I want to just, um, for, for today and for all the time, but just take a minute and remind you about the difference between conviction and condemnation, okay? Conviction for the purposes of our discussions today, conviction is something that the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit is wanting to nudge your heart a certain direction, you'll feel this loving nudge. It might feel challenging. 
it might even feel like, ooh, ouch. But it, it comes from a place of love. It com- comes from a place that the Lord wants to build you up. It's different than condemnation. Condemnation comes from somewhere else. It wants to tell you and make you smaller. It wants to tell you you're not enough. It wants to just chop you down. It, uh, it comes from hell. Okay, Conviction, even though these are both maybe challenging to feel, conviction and condemnation come from two different places. Conviction is okay. Conviction is good. It's helpful. It's what a loving God and a loving friend will do. They will tell you the truth because if you get, get a hold of that truth, eventually it can set you free. It's not because it's so, so, so conviction and condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus and are called according to his purposes. No condemnation, zero. So you shouldn't feel any condemnation, I hope, uh, about that today. There could be some conviction going on today. Um, this is a topic that I've been planning on for a very long time, and I, I mean several of you who I've talked to, and I said, you know, help me decide whether or not I'm going to be preaching this. I wasn't sure if I was going to get there because I feel like there could be some conviction um, going on today. And I mostly feel that because it's been going on here, okay, as I've been preparing and planning. And I figure if I'm in for it, hey, you're, you're going with me. I'm going to pull you along on the trip. So, okay, enough on that. Um, I love movies. How many of you like movies? Yeah, pretty much, pretty common thing. We like to go to the movies. Last year, in 2010, there were 895 commercial movies that were released. 895. Um, and, and they uh, took in a lot of money. They took in just a scratch over $10.1 billion money that came in from movies, commercial movies. Alice in Wonderland was the... Uh, the uh, top top gar- uh, top gaining movie, just a little over a billion dollars in that one movie. Second was Toy Story three, a little over a billion, and then Harry Potter was just under a billion. Those three movies alone took almost a fourth of all the money. Um, I want to pick on a movie, and I'm not. It's not that I'm against this movie, but it is going to make a point for me today. I want to pick on one that was the 2009 Golden Globe winner for the best movie in a comedy. Um, it's called The Hangover. Now, some of you may have seen it. Some of you may not. Please don't raise your hands. Um, <laughs> in fact, um, a lot of what I'm going to talk about, don't say, oh, yeah, I said that. Just, just give this a ride for a while because, you know, it would be good if you didn't say that yet. I mean, although may, many of you may have seen it. And it's the type of movie that I might have gone to um, if I just hadn't been so busy in life. I mean, because I go to movies occasionally and those kinds of things too. Um, um, the movie Hang- The Hangover in 2009 was budgeted. They, they put the movie together. It cost them $35 million to, to make it. It turned into the, to the 10th highest grossing film of 2009. Worldwide, it made four, $467 million. That's a profit of about $425 million. And when Hollywood makes a movie and it's that profitable, they come back again. We're going to talk about that in a minute or two. And had, it, it, other than the Golden Globe for the best comedy it had a whole bevy of other awards that it, won, uh, that, it, that it won. Here are a few facts about the movie The Hangover. 91 minutes long. In those 91 minutes, it had 98 different versions of the F-bomb, 41 S-words, nine slang terms for the male privates, two for the female, 13 hells, 14 A double toothpick words, um, <laughs> 31 different versions of the Lord's name in vain, a whole lot of sexual references and scenes. In other words, 
about one F-bomb per minute. Okay? Out of all of the R-rated movies that they've been keeping records for, it was the third highest grossing ever in U.S. history. Only behind The Passion of the Christ. Did you know that was rated R? Um, and The Matrix um, Reloaded. Great action movie. Um, I'm not endorsing it, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but okay, in R-rated movies, it was the thir- third highest grossing of all time. Maybe you've seen it. Um, maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe you had no idea when you went into the theater what you were going to be um, absorbing and taking in in that hour and a half. I didn't see it, but to be perfectly transparent with you, it could have happened to me. I mean, I've been places before. I've gone to, to movies before. I've gone to, Lisa and I occasionally get to go to a theater show somewhere. And um, I've been places that I realized, oh, I didn't realize what I was getting into here. In fact, we were with um, a group of pastors and their wives in an overnight retreat in Seattle years ago. And we had an afternoon or an evening free. And we said, well, let's go to the show. Not the movie show, but to, the, to a Broadway show at the Paramount Theater. Um, that's expensive to do, and we decided it was going to be worth it. So we went over there, and we got seats, and we went in. And it was a, a, a major hit. There was a touring show coming around from New York and so forth. We thought, oh, let's go see the show. And we were probably 10 minutes into the show that we realized that it was so far, um, um, the things that were being said, the words, the, what was being portrayed was making us so uncomfortable that we decided to leave. I mean, I've been there before, too. I've been to a place that I didn't realize what I was getting into. And, uh, um, you know, so here's, here's what the Internet Movie Database, which I use a lot, IMDB, um, says about The Hangover. It says... Um, a very mature film. So this is a very mature film. Here's how mature it, it, Hollywood is about this. It made so much money that there's a um, release now coming out this month, Hangover 2, coming out this month. I saw, um, I think on Friday of this week, a movie called Bridesmaids, which I've been attracted to go see because the, the trailers look funny. Um, but I saw a bunch of the people being interviewed on, on some of the morning shows on Friday, um, and they're, they're, and, and the US, USA Today, the, is it USA Today, yeah, the newspaper proclaimed that it was the female raunchy version of The Hangover coming out. Another movie that's coming out this July is a movie called Friends with Benefits. Now, in case you're not up to speed with what that phrase means, please forgive me for the indiscretion here, but Friends with Benefits are friends who are not romantically involved, they're not married but they decide to, um, to include sex within the parameters of their friendship. Sounds kind of crazy. The room's getting really quiet. I would rather that it wasn't... Be- Sounds kind of crazy, but it's more common than you realize. And in fact, um, within the last two or three years, um, we have ministered to a family in our church whose 17-year-old daughter became pregnant by a friend with benefits. It's more common. This kind of stuff is coming out more and more. Because they make money, Hollywood says, let's do more of this because we can make more money. It's amazing. Now, by the way, no slam against the Paramount Theater because I'm going to go there next week and see Mary Poppins, right? (laughs) Um, And uh, I'm looking forward to that. It should be a lot of fun, and it'll be a little safer than the last one. When I grew up, I had allergy problems. Still do, but not like I did. I mean, I... I had um, not, not, not the sniffles and the, you know, not bad, but I mean pretty severe allergy problems. And uh, of course, my mom and dad took me to the doc and they tried to figure that out. I don't know how old I was, but they said, you know, he's allergic to pretty much everything. All the grasses, all the flowers, all the trees, the dogs, the cats, the horses, the 
stuff, just about all the stuff. What do we do about it? Well, what we're going to do is we're going to figure out all of his, how, how reactive he is to these different things, and we're going to make up this serum, this mixture of all of these things that are toxic, poisonous to Terry's body. And we're going to refine them down, get them nice and concentrated, and then we're going to stick them in his body, which is the treatment. That's how you treat allergy. And so my mother, um, doing the thing that a, a loving mother does, she's taking care of her son, and she learns how to do this. And I think, I don't know how old I was. I probably six, seven, five, four, four. So around age four, my mom learned how, and I was getting injections of this serum into my body a couple times a week. And that went on for 40-plus years of my life. The thing is that uh, over time, it worked. What was toxic to my body, over time I became less and less sensitive to it. Now, all along the way, had to be watched carefully because done incorrectly, it could be very dangerous. There were two episodes. Uh, well, there was one episode that I remember, and this was as an adult probably 15 years ago, um, where I was at the doctor's office and they were giving me my injection, my weekly shot of poison. And um, usually they would give you the shot, then you go sit out there and read a magazine for 15 or 20 minutes because they figure if you're going to curl over and die, it'll happen in the first 10 minutes or so, right? <laughs> and um, if you're going to react to it. And uh, I, I kind of started having a reaction and, and didn't stay. And I left. And um, I had a very, very serious episode overnight. And the Lord spared me. But I could have died from, from that particular exposure. I became less sensitive to those things. I'm not on the injections anymore. Thank you, Lord. That's a good thing not to. I still, I still uh, love flowers and so forth. But I have to be careful. But I've become way less sensitive to them. I've become desensitized to those toxins in my life. Now, without sounding like this guy who can't get past the good old days, I want to talk about the good old days for a minute. Because I do remember when television, the standards were different. Um, by the way, the topic today is toxic influences in your life, if you haven't figured that out. Okay? This is the last of the message in the toxic series Thank, thankfully for that. And I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to talk about um, the, the, the virtues. We're going to talk about moral strength. We're going to talk about um, some good things. I'm looking forward to where we're going next. But I remember when um, you'd watch on TV, and the standard for a married couple, you might be sh- watching a program, a standard for a married couple would be that if, you, if, there was a sh- if there was ever a scene in the bedroom, you would notice that it was twin beds, they always had pajamas on, and the rule was one foot on the floor all the time. Do any of you remember that? Okay, so, um, <laughs> you know, same, there were standards about language, there were standards about violence. Things have gradually shifted. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. Over time, have, you know, over time the standards have changed, and we've become desensitized. We've lost a little bit of our guardedness. And now the things to which I was sensitive before... I'm entertained by those things. So could it be that now that there's a generation that has been so desensitized to things that used to be considered bad, that now those things are considered good? And so many of us are actually consuming and even paying for things that are toxic. That's a really fair question for us to ask. Now, Bits of this message might be um, a little hard, hard for you, hard for me. And um, if, if we get through this whole message and there's nothing here that challenges you, then it could be because you're just not really following the Lord. 
So I expect most of us are going to kind of occasionally get uncomfortable. Sorry about that. Our culture is very loud. We're always inundated with messages that are not pleasing to God. The chances are that some of you have watched something on TV or seen a movie or heard something at a football game or a baseball game come out of somebody's mouth. You, you've seen something on the internet, you've something with, with F-bombs somewhere or somehow the Lord's name has been in vain. And it's happening so much now in our culture that we just learn to kind of tune it out. It might bother us at some level. It bothers us less today than it did a year ago. Um, We just learn to tolerate it. But if you really think about it, if, um, now my messages don't go an hour and a half, thankfully, but if in 30 minutes, if I used 98 F-bombs, probably a couple of you might get offended. (laughs) I mean, if I used one F-bomb, you'd probably get offended. Yet, you probably consumed and probably paid for some sort of toxic entertainment in the last 30 days, whether you're TV cable or whatever. Now listen, I'm not here to say to you, let's all head for the hills and live in a compound. <laughs> That's not what this is, okay? So relax if you think I'm going off the deep end. The point is that, that this has become everywhere, everywhere. And so we get to the place where we go, well, I guess that's what we've got to live with. So today we're talking about toxic influences. Let's define this again, toxic. Uh, anything containing poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. So Lord, as we wander into this subject, I just ask for the Holy Spirit to just love us like crazy today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Toxic, something that's capable of harming us or drawing us away from God and destroying us. There is an evil force in this world. And um, an enemy of God, his name is Satan, Lucifer, um, the great deceiver. He comes to rob and to kill and to destroy. Now, he's not going to show up in your life with horns and a pitchfork. He's not going to do that, most likely. Okay? Because you're too smart for that. You're simply too smart for that. He's going to groom you. Grooming by that, I don't mean combing your hair. I mean he gets you to the place where over a very long period of time, maybe weeks, months, or even years, he exposes you to something that's toxic, but in such small doses and with such regularity that over time you become groomed or more susceptible or available. It just stops bothering you, and pretty soon it can even be embraced. Is it possible that the enemy of our soul is grooming us? You know, we, we, we would take in what's harmful and call it good. Ah, there's nothing wrong with it. Everybody else is doing it, and we're slowly being poisoned. Because, you know, he would never come to you and say, here, have a, have a cup full of poison, and you go, sure, sure, let me take that in. That's not how it works. So what kind of toxic influences are you talking about, Terry? Potentially, it's all kinds of things. It's, you know, the movies we watch, the music we listen to, the TV that we have on, the internet sites that we go to. It could even be social media sites like Facebook. It can be there. It can be stuff that you know if you go on a certain person's wall or certain kind of commentary. It can even be there. It can even be in those kinds of places. It can be the magazines we read, the video games that we play. It could be even the people that we hang out with. And uh, I'm not going to go off on that one right now because I did last November, which is what started this whole series about toxic, and that was on toxic relationships. If you want to consider that topic again, that's on our church website, and it's free, and you can download it or listen to it anytime. It's called Toxic Relationships. And I think it was like late November, if you want to look it up. 
Proverbs 25, 26 says this. Like a muddied spring or a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way to the wicked. Could it be that we become muddied springs or polluted wells? Kind of scary. For this message, I was thinking about what am I going to do here? I, I feel like I, I feel like I got to talk about this. I can't do the, all this toxic stuff and not and just completely act like the world doesn't got toxicity in it. So there's two ways that I could go. If there's a spectrum, one way is I could lean way over into this legalism thing and um, rules. The other end of the spectrum is I just go completely easy, just tiptoe around the topic, and then nobody gets changed. And I thought oh, I'm going to kind of walk up the middle and see what happens. Um, So I'm going to take a broader view without getting real specific about things and uh, just say, here's what the word says about these topics. I have been praying that you will not shake this off. You know, you know, like a dog gets wet, come in the house, you let the dog in, the dog does this and shakes or just after the dog bath. Not that you're a bunch of dogs. Okay. But I pray that the things that the Holy Spirit will be circulating in our souls today is, is something that you will not choose to just go, this is a <laughs> slow motion dog shake thing. <laughs> is that pretty close? <laughs> I, got a vote. I got two thumbs up from the front row. Um, and, you know, some of you might go, okay, Terry, you prude, you legalist, weird person. Okay. I, you know, some of you might conclude that. I, I suppose that's fine. But I want to say to those of you who really want to go deeply with Christ, I trust that the Holy Spirit's going to just talk to you in a loving way that will lead you to good stuff, to good stuff. So, okay, three things to remember about toxic influences. One, a little bit of poison goes a really long way. Paul talked to the Corinthian church about, uh, about this, and he used an example about yeast, Yeast is something that when you put it in the dough, you mix it in with the water, and then you mix it in with the dough, and it goes through the whole thing. Yeast is very commonly um, used as an example, a metaphor in the Bible to talk about sin, how it gets in and it just seeps through the whole thing. 1 Corinthians 5, um, 6 and 7 says this, Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may start a new batch with, without yeast so that you're not poisoned by the sin of this world, as you really are. Okay, so I heard this story about this boy, 14-year-old boy, who um, wanted to go to the movie with his friends, so he went, went to his mom and says, Hey, Mom, can I go to the movie tonight? And um, she says, Well, have you checked out the movie? Do you know what's in it? Is it okay for you to go see as a growing Christian? He says, Yeah, yeah, I've checked it out. It, it does have a few bad words, and it's got one sex scene and a little bit of violence, but it's okay. There's not a lot of bad stuff. There's only a little, so not a whole lot. She said, Okay, fair enough. You can go, but before you go, I'm, I, w- I want to cook your favorite brownies for you. And so um, let me do that. So now he's thinking, wow, cool, my mom rocks. Not only do I get to go to the movie, but she's going to cook me some brownies. This is great. And so uh, he's, um, he's uh, <laughs> you might have heard this story. So he's, he's off doing his, his thing, and she puts together the flour and the sugar, and she gets everything together, and she's all ready to mix it up and cook it. And then she takes out a little tiny, teeny teaspoon and walks out the back porch into the backyard and finds just a little bit of fresh doggy do. And <laughs> I know this is not a true story. No mother would do this. And so, but for the sake of my point, she did it. So she gets a little tiny bit, not much, 
brings it in there and stirs it in with the rest of the batter, cooks the brownies. Okay. <laughs> so she says to the boy, okay, hey, I've got your brownies for you here. It's your favorite. I know you're going to have a good time at the movie tonight, but um, you should, here's your brownies. But before you eat them, I want you to know there's just a little bit of doggy doo in here. It's not much. It's only a little bit. It's not that bad. Most of it's really good brownies. And he's going, oh, that's nasty. What are you thinking? She says, no, no, there's not much in here. It's really not going to hurt you. There's really, it's been cooked. It's really okay. And it's, people put all kinds of things in brownies. You can see where this subject is going, right? And <laughs> I don't know about that last comment. So, <laughs> so um, you know, now as a parent, you might argue against me and say, you know, I would really want to protect my kids. I'm a little bit more experienced. I've got some life experience, and those kinds of things really don't affect me. So um, I don't want, it's okay if I go see that movie, but for my kids, I just, just don't want to do that. You know, and I have this challenging thing circulating in my soul. You know, why would it be okay for, you know, a, for you to protect your kids from a toxic influence that you're willing to take in yourself? You know, when we look at we consume today, the entertainment we consume, you might, I don't think it'd be too hard to get you to agree with me that there might be some dew in the brownies here. Like, for example, I'm going to pick on a few TV shows. Hope I'm not hitting your favorites, um, but I'm just going to pick on a couple. The Bachelorette. That's an interesting show. It's entertaining. It's a little bit funny. Pretty sad. You know, a guy meets the girl, one guy meets a bunch of girls, or one girl meets a bunch of guys. And, um, they don't know each other, and 30 minutes later, they're all madly in love with each other, and this is my soulmate, I gotta get married to this person, and then they get sent home, oh, boo-hoo, you know, and you laugh, and you know, it's kind of silly to watch the whole thing, but step back, and let's just kind of take and see how much do's in the brownie hairs. Um, can I, should I stop saying that? Um, because, you know, okay, so here's the deal. Here's what you know about life and relationships by watching The Bachelorette. Everybody is supposed to be hot. Okay? Second thing is that true love is found in a helicopter flying over a waterfall. (laughs) If you don't know who you're supposed to marry, what you do is you stay the night with one person and then with another person and then with another person and you have sex with all of them and then you decide which one you want to spend the rest of your life with. And you might think about that and think, you know, somewhere in there, there's something that's not brownie mix in that, in that whole description. The thing is, those that will sit and will watch that show and will feel sorry for them and will laugh alongside our 12-year-old daughter. And we think about the message that we're sending that is so different than what I would want, the kind of things that I would want to put into the life of my daughter and tried to put into the life of my daughter and my sons. Or, okay, romance novels, that's another one. My husband, my husband just is not romantic enough, so I get my romance from, from romance novels. Okay. So uh, Juan the pool guy shows up. He's got abs. And we, <laughs> we could spend our whole life imagining his abs, cleaning the pool, and making out in our bikini, I suppose. What's the value in that? Okay, so things to remember about toxic influences. A little bit of dew goes a long way. A little bit of poison goes a long way. Number two, just because everyone does it doesn't make it right. I'm starting to sound like your mom probably. Um, I, I'm going to give you a scripture out of the message translation, and I want you to know about the message. It's, a, um, it's not a paraphrase. Well, it's kind of a paraphrase. It's not, it's not 
as accurate as some of the study versions, but it's really a good one for devotion. It helps you get into the contemporary language and help you see things clearly sometimes. So Romans 12, 2 from the message. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. That's pretty strong language. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to say, well, everybody else does it, and, uh, you know, but the point is that an awful lot of times the majority is wrong. You know, I think about Numbers 13, 12 went to spy out the land, 10 came back and said, no way. This is trouble from the get-go. We do not want to go there. And two said, no. This is God's plan for us. This is our land. We get in there and we should, we should take it over. And the group said, no, we can't go in there because the majority says so and they got to be right. We got to ignore these other two. I mean, you can't trust things just because the majority says so. Just because they say so it doesn't make it pleasing to God or helpful to you. Okay, three things. So we've had a little bit of poison goes a long way. Just because everybody else does it doesn't mean I should. Here's the, the third point. Just because I could doesn't mean I should. You and I have tremendous freedoms in Christ. We really have freedom. Being a Christian is not about following rules. God doesn't want it that way. It's about the freedoms you have because your, the worth of your relationship with God comes from your freedom to choose. Take away the freedom to choose and it's worthless. That, that, that value is worthless. So ask the questions, you know, I, can I speed to church today and still be a Christian I know I sped on the way to church today. Can I still do that and be a Christian, love Jesus, and go to heaven? I could do that, sure. Should I do that? Uh, probably not. Can I go into massive debt, buying things I don't need with money I don't have to impress people I don't know? I mean, yeah, you can do that and still go to heaven. Should you do that? No, I don't think so. How about this? Can I read Cosmopolitan, which features this month's prime article, 45 Ways to Drive Your Boyfriend Wild in Bed? Can I read that? Still love Jesus? Still get saved? Still get to heaven? Yeah. Yeah, you can. You can. Should you? Or Desperate Housewives, can I watch episode after episode of women having an affair after an affair after an affair? You have to wonder what's, um, what's the value in doing it. You can do those things as a Christian. You have the freedom to do those things. I'm going to prove it to you. The Bible says you have the freedom to do it if you want to. But should you do it? 1 Corinthians 6.12 says this. Someone may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. I'm allowed to do anything, but I won't allow anything to gain control over my life. The God's Word version. Now, I want to be really clear with you today about what I'm saying to you. I want you really, really to understand this. We have tremendous freedoms in Christ, but I am not going to stand up here in front of you and impose any, and especially not my, man-made standards upon you for how you're supposed to live your life. I am not doing that here today. You know, for example, uh, I'm not going to stand up here and say, well, you can never go to an R-rated movie, and PG-13, you got to check it out, and, and PG is fine, and G is, that's a green light for sure. That's stupid. That's stupid. The reason it's stupid the Passion of the Christ is rated R. I mentioned that to you before. And probably everybody should see that movie. I saw it once. Bought the DVD as soon as it came out. 
and I haven't had the courage to watch it since then <laughs> because of this issue called conviction. <laughs> but I got it. It's there, and I've, <laughs> I've got it in a special place in case I ever muster up the bravery to watch the thing. It's rated R. But I've seen G movies that were an absolute assault on morality and Christians. G movies. So the other thing about this, letting the movie MPA, movie production associate, whoever rates those things, let those people decide what is appropriate for you or not appropriate for you or appropriate for your children or not for you, displaces the, the responsibility for you to make your own decisions or for you to make the decisions of your kids. I can't trust what they say because standards are shifting. Standards are just, just plain shifting. But you're not going to get from me standing up here, I'm not going to give you rules to live by. That's legalistic and it's stupid and I don't want to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't want positive influence for us to influence each other. I also want to say this about standards like that. Some of you are very, very strong Christians, very well grounded in the word, so well grounded that some, some levels of toxicity out there really will not affect you to the point that it's going to pull you down. And in fact, your light shines so brightly that there are places you should be going to shine. And it's a mistake for you not to do that. And I'm not defining any of that. I'm just, telling you, I'm just telling you that there's balance to this message. This is not about legalism here today. This is for us to have our eyes and our hearts open to what toxicity is out there and what it does to us. But almost all of us have areas of our lives where we're not quite so strong and we have some susceptibilities, some, te- some areas where we can be tempted and, and fall. And... You know, to continue to feed on those things can be very, very harmful to us. The thing is, though, that some of those things are totally acceptable in some Christian circles. They really are. But we're called to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be set apart. You know, the word holy means set apart. So here's a question, a rhetorical question, that, um, that the Holy Spirit would really maybe cause some challenging in our souls today. If when you look around the world, if you look around at the people around you and you don't see any difference between them and you, if you don't see any difference, if there's no difference at all, there's a possibility that you really are not walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. I think the most terrifying scripture, this is not part of my message, but I think the most terrifying part of the scripture, the most terrifying part is in Luke chapter 13 where people come and they knock at the door and Jesus answers the door and says, who are you? And they say, but Lord, we ate with you. We drank with you. We were there when you were teaching. And he says, hey, I didn't know you. That's a paraphrase. The King James Version, which was what I memorized a lot of scripture in years and years ago, uses stronger, although poetic. It says, Jesus says at that moment, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I knew you not. That is the most terrifying scripture in here. That's not, not that some would miss, but it's terrifying because some who think they're re- having a relationship with God who don't. I, I, okay, so enough on that. So, so what do we do? What do we do um, with this toximity? Toxicity. Okay, sometimes it's obvious, for example, hey, uh, 
Help me decide whether I should. I got a bachelor party to go to this weekend. Should I go? Question, okay. What are you going to do at the party? Well, we're going to have some shots, and then we're going to go to a strip club. That's pretty obvious. Don't go. But in this group, I don't have any knowledge about this. This is not a word. But in this a group this size, somebody this summer or next summer is going to get invited to a bachelor party, and that's going to be on the menu. <laughs> it's, it's going to happen. So, okay, so sometimes it's, it's, it's very obvious. Other times, it's not quite so obvious. For example, should I read a certain book? Should I um, inter- interchange with somebody on a Facebook level? And the answer you'll hear out there sometimes is, well, let your conscience be your guide. Sometimes that's good advice. You know, when your conscience says to you, nope, that's wrong, stay away. That's reliable. That's, be confident, listen to that. But sometimes it, it's not so clear even with your conscience. And the riskier time is when your conscience says this, ah, it's really not that big a deal. <laughs> and the reason that that's risky is because Scripture teaches us that your conscience can actually be seared. Here's, here's what I mean. You know, you, something is actually wrong to do, and after you do it enough times, you start thinking it's not that big a deal. It hasn't really hurt you. So you can get to the place where your conscience becomes seared, and you just don't think that's all that bad, when actually it's bad, it's harmful, it hurts you, it's dangerous, it's even poison to your soul. Here's a commentary I want to read to you um, that I think um, relates to um, American television. Okay, so listen to this commentary. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke loose, rampant evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy, wanton, killing, bickering, and cheating. Look at them, mean-spirited, venomous, forked-tongued God-bashers. Bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. They ditch their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And, as if they, and it's not as if they don't know better. They know perfectly well they're spitting in God's face. And they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. Commentary about American television. Actually, that was Romans 1, 28-32 from the message. Remember I told you before the message is kind of fun? Um, does that not describe, it seems to describe the heart behind the entertainment industry in large ways. People say, well, I'm just not bothered by this. You know, it's, and I'm, not, I'm not bothered by such and such, you know, profanity or the Lord's name in vain or wanton violence. Just because it doesn't bother you doesn't mean that it shouldn't bother you. For example, um, so you have a um, person, a dead person, and you accidentally drop a 100-pound barbell on them. It's not really a big deal, is it? Because they don't feel the pain, right? They're dead. They don't feel anything, so you can drop the barbell on them, and it's, it's really okay in terms of not causing that person any pain. So if something happens to be dropping on you yesterday or today or tomorrow and um, you don't feel anything but it's dropping on you and hitting you and hurting you and you don't feel anything, what does that say? What can that say? Romans 1, 21 and 22 says, They knew God, but they did not praise and thank him for being God. Instead, 
Their thoughts were pointless and their misguided minds were plunged into darkness. While claiming to be wise, they became fools. Look, I don't want us there. I just don't want us to the place where we become desensitized to the place where we become numb when things are dropping on our soul and on our hearts and on our heads that really are damaging, damaging to us. It's like the Lord's name in vain. I know today I'm not as sensitive to it as I once was. I know. It's, you know, you watch a movie and, you know, there are some great movies out there with some wonderful messages. And I have a tendency, all of a sudden, a good message, you know, and then there'll be this language and boom, 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 boom. And I'll think, okay, well, it's all right. And I mean, you can't avoid it all the time. I mean, you can't live as a shut-in and never expose yourself to anything. I don't know how that's possible in society. Some of you have, are, are, have taken formal steps to try to do that. I know some of you don't have televisions, and that's fine. That's a personal decision. I'm not here to say pro or con on those kinds of things. But the point is, is that you can't stay away from it completely everywhere. I mean, you drive up the freeway. I'm getting so tired of seeing Chubby Checker on the billboard out there. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Chubby Checker, but there's stuff shouting at you everywhere from every direction all the time. You can't avoid it everywhere. But I am less sensitive to the Lord's name being in vain, taken in vain today than I was 10 years ago. I just know it. It's true. And it's not that I want to work up an offense and become a prude about this. It's just true. And the Holy Spirit's challenging me on that. The Holy Spirit is just challenging me on that. Just because it doesn't bother you, bother you doesn't mean that it shouldn't bother you. And I, I'm, I'm sorry if my, my discourse today is a little bit tough. I don't mean for it to be hurtful. But it's love. It's not condemnation. The Holy Spirit, by way of Paul the Apostle, gave some great advice. He said, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22, Instead, test everything. Hold on to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. This was, let me paraphrase that. Don't throw away the baby in the bath with the, with the bath water. Hold on to the baby, but let the bath water drain off. That's good, but test it. How do we test it? Three questions to ask. Three simple questions to ask. First one, am I being entertained by sin? In this article, in this book, in this TV show, am I being entertained by sin? You know, um, but the movie was so funny. It was just hilarious. Okay, it's all right. So if I stop the message right now and I tell you a really, really funny racial, racial, racial joke, is that okay? Probably not, right? Why? The reason it's not okay is because being funny doesn't make it okay. A racial joke would be wrong because that's unloving. It's ungodly. It's not just because it's funny doesn't make it, make it right. Second question, is this pleasing to God? Because God is not my man. He's not my buddy. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. God is holy and righteous. God paid a horrible and a terrible price of love for me. Number three, another question is, does this lure me away from Christ? Does it, even if it's just tiny amounts at a time, if it does, I want to stay away from it. You, you might be thinking, I'm a little bit whacked out. I brought a purse today. Before you guys start laughing, see if you have this in your purse. (sighs) Um. Okay. The last time I brought a tool to church, men laughed at me. And so I realize I'm taking a risk here. 
So I brought my tool in a purse this time. Okay, you see this in the back row? Okay, if you've got a plumb bob bigger than this one, you can show me that on a picture next week. Okay. The last time I showed my cool um, wrench this long, and I got a photo of somebody with a wrench, wrench that was bigger than a baseball bat. But, okay, this is a plumb bob. It's hard to break this thing because it doesn't rely upon, um, it's very low tech. It's got a point on the bottom, and gravity is pulling it straight down towards the center of the earth. It's a very low tech, but a very, very reliable way of measuring plumb. Perfectly straight up and down, not tilted at all. I got another one in here too. Okay, I don't want to blind anybody. See what this is? See, it's a laser. It's a laser level, and it does some cool stuff. I don't know if you can see that anymore because I'm a ways away. See that line there? If I get all my levels perfectly done, I can get level and plumb on a laser. High tech. High tech, low tech. Both tools to tell me what's plumb and level. I better turn that off before I... Some of you have lost sight of what's plumb. It's possible. This is plumb and level. This is the only thing you can rely upon for plumb and level. This is low tech. My cell phone is not in my pocket. I've got probably 10 versions of the Bible in there. That's high tech, but it's plumb and level. The word of God is the word of God. If you have forgotten the true standard, I just wanted to point that out to you. If you would just consider a little bit about your life, what would be hap- what, what could happen for you positive if you could just eliminate some of the do? It would bless you, I think. I want to remind you there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to make a personal comment to you too because some of my closest friends are in this room and um, family and so forth. I'm, yeah, I'm Pastor Terry and I have a spiritual responsibility. Sometimes when people find out, that out about me, that changes their behavior. That's not what I'm looking for. I mean, I don't want people raising hell around me necessarily. But um, I want people around me to be authentic and genuine because I'm authentic and genuine as best as I can, full of my mistakes. Those who are my close friends know them. They see my mistakes. They see my failures. They see my sin. And they lovingly help me grow. And this is how you ought to be as well. Don't put on pretenses for each other, I ask. Don't put them on for me. Don't put them on for the world because the world sees through them. Be genuine and authentic, but as you pursue holiness and righteousness, the Holy Spirit will carry you there. Here's a scripture in Romans 12 that says this. I want to read this to you. This is out of the message again. This is Paul speaking. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace... It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. Don't misinterpret yourselves as you bringing goodness to God. No. God brings it to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Amen? Amen. Well, that wraps up the series on toxic. Next week, I'm really looking forward to... um, starting in on moral strength. 
Um, and um, it should be fun and help build. And so I'm really looking forward to that because I think that America has some missing moral strength. And I think a lot of what America needs is sitting in this room, the vessels of God that are sitting in this room. Would you um, just let me pray with you for just a moment? Would you close your eyes? Lord, I'm thankful for, I guess at some level, the discomfort that I feel because of the conviction the Holy Spirit's doing in me right now. And I'm thankful, Lord, that it's happening in this room. I pray, Lord, that no one will leave here today walking out with a sense of condemnation and that, Lord, you would do something that's really a healing work in people's hearts. And, Lord, I confess that over the last number of weeks as I was preparing for today, that I've been personally challenged. My hand just would say, God, I just need you to forgive me and to strengthen me. Keep your eyes closed, please, everybody. If you would say to the Lord, you feel like you've been a little bit challenged and you would like to, to, to say to the Holy Spirit, yes, I, I, need to, I, I want you to change me and strengthen me, put your hand up, up and down. That's good. That's just really good. Lord, show us how we're being groomed by the enemy. Help us to hold on to the good and to avoid the evil. And Lord, I want to pray for those who did not raise their hands. I pray, God, that you would pursue them. To the people who might think that this is all crazy, I pray that they would see the truth in this message, Lord, the truth in your word, that they would become transformed. Bless them, Lord, I pray. And Lord, for, their, for anybody here who has been trying to fill their life with lower things, the problem is that there is no entertainment, there is no thing that will fill the void that's in their life. I pray, Lord, that, that God, you would show up in powerful and strong, loving ways as you pursue people who need you. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.